Chapter 12 Heaven is real, and whoever wishes can spend eternity there. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I come again, and will receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know the way. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How know we the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John chapter 14, verses 2 through 6. As in the previous message, I am using five texts here. My second text is John chapter 17, verse 24, authorized King James Version. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. My third text is Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1, American Standard Version. Now in the things which we are saying the chief point is this, we have such a high priest who sat down on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. My fourth text is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, American Standard Version. For we know that if the earthly house of our tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. My fifth text is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5, through 5, American Standard Version. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy begat us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, unto an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who by the power of God are guarded through faith unto a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. My subject in the previous message was that there is a hell, and if you don't look out, you are going there. We saw that it was absolutely certain that there was a hell after death. Its agonies were so appalling that it would be better to suffer any loss or pain than go there. We also saw that body and soul both shared in its suffering and its agonies that are so awful as to warrant the figure of speech of eternal fire, if it be a figure, in speaking of them. Its suffering never ends. And we saw that it was certain that we would go there unless we did one specific thing, accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, which involves the surrender of ourselves to Him as our Lord and Master, and open confession of Him before the world. Tonight, we turn from this very dark and forbidding subject to a very bright and alluring subject. Namely, there is a heaven, and whoever wishes can spend eternity there. Last Sunday night I confined my texts to statements of Jesus Christ, because men naturally are unwilling to believe in hell, and for many people the words of Jesus Christ have more weight than the words of Paul or John or other New Testament writers. Indeed, with any really intelligent, fair-minded, and genuinely logical man who faces the facts in the case, the words of Jesus Christ must be absolutely conclusive and decisive. When Jesus Christ says anything, the matter is settled for any man who is not a fool. I know that there are those who pose as great scholars and do not accept the statements of Jesus Christ as final, but that only shows how a man can be a great scholar 
and at the same time, be a great fool. We all know that the history of human thinking abounds in instances where great scholars have been proven to be great fools. In fact, through the whole history of human scholarship, the assured results of the scholarship of one generation have continually proven to be the exploded nonsense of the next generation. Every generation of scholars admits that about the scholarship of preceding generations, but each generation cherishes the hope that it will not prove true of their generation. They imagine that they at last have attained the final science and the absolute philosophy. Well, that is what our dear departed ancestors thought about the science and philosophy of their day, but it did not turn out that way. And our descendants will be making merry over our scientific and philosophical follies, just as we are now making merry over those of the scholars who have passed on. But amid the wreck of human scientific theories and human philosophies, the words of Jesus Christ stand unmoved and unassailable. Every man who is really wise believes his words absolutely, and the man who does not may imagine that he is a philosopher, but he had better spell the first syllable with two O's rather than one I, philosopher. Tonight, I start with two foundational texts that are from the words of Jesus Christ, but I also use texts from others who were unquestionably inspired by God, texts that illuminate and emphasize the words of Christ. The Absolute Certainty That There Is a Heaven The first thought I wish to drive home, and so rivet in your minds that you will never question it again, is that it is absolutely certain that there is a heaven to which certain persons are going. I am as certain that there is such a place as heaven as I am that there is such a place as Los Angeles. Why is it absolutely certain that there is such a place as heaven? First, it is absolutely certain that there is such a place as heaven because Jesus Christ says so. He says so in the first of our texts. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. He does not say, I go to prepare a state or condition for you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And when our Lord Jesus says place, he means place. All this modern clamor about heaven being a condition or a state of mind has no authority in the words of Jesus Christ nor in anything else in the Bible. Of course, it would be better to be in a heavenly moral condition and a heavenly state of mind in a decidedly unheavenly place than to be in a hellish moral condition and hellish state of mind in a heavenly place. But it is better to be in a heavenly moral condition and heavenly state of mind in a heavenly place. And that is what is ahead for us if we meet the conditions that I shall state later. Yes, heaven is a place. We are not going to be disembodied spirits in our eternal condition any more than Jesus Christ today is a disembodied spirit. His spirit, his real, essential personality, was disembodied for three days and three nights. He left his body on the cross and went down into Hades, but after three days his body was raised. We have seen again and again from this platform that this is the best proven fact of history and his spirit returned to that body and took that resurrected, transformed, and glorified body up to heaven with him. Stephen saw him in his body after his ascension. 
Acts chapter 7, verses 55 through 56. And Saul of Tarsus saw him after his ascension. He is in a bodily form tonight, in a place we call heaven. We too shall have bodies and be in a place, and that place is heaven. You may like this disembodied spirit stuff, but I do not. As I read Sir Oliver Lodge's Raymond and the descriptions given by the alleged spirit of his son through various spiritualistic ascetics of the life he was living since his death, I thought to myself, I cannot see what comfort Sir Oliver Lodge gets out of that. If that is the heaven of spiritualism, I would just as soon that my son should be in hell, and much rather that he would be annihilated and utterly cease to be. But that is not the heaven Jesus Christ teaches, nor is it the heaven of actual fact. Heaven is a place, and no one who goes there will have any desire to come down and hover around darkened, uncanny rooms to contact his friends through some low-living medium, who is usually a drunkard or a dope fiend. Many of them are notoriously immoral, and all of them are of a low type of mentality. Jesus Christ emphasizes the fact that heaven is a place by the first statement in the same verse when he says, In my Father's house are many mansions, that is, many abiding places as distinguished from the transitory character of our earthly homes. I had a home in Montrose, Pennsylvania. It was as beautiful and comfortable a home as I desired in this world. My wife was tired of wandering about Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia, and America, and wanted to settle down, so I bought this home. We thought it would be our home for the rest of our earthly lives. She said, Let's call it Alabama, which means, Here we rest. And we called it Alabama, and we rested, or she did. How long? Less than four years. And here we are way out in California, and in a few months from now we will be in Asia again. But in the next world, we have a continuing city, as God calls it in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14, authorized King James Version. The Revised Version translation is an abiding city. The Greek word translated abiding is the participle of the verb from which the noun translated mansions in John chapter 14, verse 2 is derived. Heaven is a place, a permanent place. Yes, heaven is a place. Furthermore, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place. Evidently, he was going from a place where he then was, Jerusalem, on this earth, to another place where he was soon to be. What was that place? John chapter 14, verse 28, American Standard Version, answers the question. Jesus said, Ye heard how I said to you, I go away, and I come unto you. If ye loved me, ye would have rejoiced, because I go unto the Father. Here Jesus says, I am going away from where I now am and where you are. I am going away from you to my Father. That is, God. Well, where is God? Turn to the Lord's Prayer as found in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus will tell you just where God is. That prayer which our Lord taught us begins with the words, Our Father who art in heaven, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. That is where God is. He is in heaven. Of course, God is everywhere in His Spirit, but that is only one side of the truth. 
God has a local habitation, and that habitation is heaven. That is where God is, and that is where our Lord Jesus Christ is now, at his right hand. That is where Stephen saw him, Acts chapter 7, verses 55 through 56. That is where we are going someday. Somebody heard that I was going to China next summer, and he asked me if I'd take him along as a private secretary. Let me tell you, before long, I am going to a much more interesting place than China. I am going to heaven, and any of you can go along if you wish. I will tell you how before I finish here. In other places in the Sermon on the Mount, our Lord Jesus tells us that heaven is a place and that God the Father is there. He tells us so in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, authorized King James Version. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, authorized King James Version, he says, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Our Lord Jesus tells us in another of our texts that heaven is a place, a glorious place, and that all those who will believe on him are going there. Listen again to John chapter 17, verse 24, authorized King James Version. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. If there is anything that Jesus teaches over and over again, and is therefore absolutely certain, because there is no possibility of doubting what Jesus taught, it is that there is a heaven, and that heaven is a place. He teaches that God is there in a sense that he is nowhere else, and that Jesus is now there, and all who really believe in him are to be there some day. In the second place, it is certain that there is a heaven, not only because our Lord Jesus says so, but also because those who have been unmistakably proven to have been inspired of God say so. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, American Standard Version, For we know that if the earthly house of our tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. The house of God that Paul speaks of here refers, as the context plainly shows, to our glorified resurrection body, the body made in the likeness of our Lord's own glorified body. Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. And Paul tells us that body is not only eternal, but also eternal in the heavens. That body will exist elsewhere eternally, and where that body will exist eternally is in the heavens. Peter also tells us that there is a heaven and it is a place. Scripture Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy begat us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, unto an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who by the power of God are guarded through faith unto a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 5. Here Peter tells us that heaven is a place, and in that place there is an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, securely kept there for all those who are kept by the power of God through faith 
unto that glorious salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. People are wondering in these days of bank looting, high-power explosives, and Bolshevik uprisings where they can store their possessions with absolute safety. Well, there is no place on this earth where you can store them with absolute safety. Even if they do not succeed in blowing up your safe or your safety deposit vault, you may die any day. Then you cannot get your possessions, and someone else will get them, probably the lawyers. But if they are reserved in heaven, they are absolutely safe. People sometimes want to know if you have your money in a Federal Reserve Bank. Better to have it in the Heavenly Reserve Bank. If it is there, not only can neither moth nor rust corrupt, nor thieves break through and steal, but furthermore, there is also no power, either in earth or hell, to rob you of it. It is absolutely, eternally safe. And what a glorious inheritance it is, incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away. It is more specifically described in Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, heirs of all that God has and all that God is. It is better to give up anything and everything on earth and get heaven than to get everything on earth, great wealth, beautiful homes, high-powered automobiles, diamonds and gems, operas, theaters, and dances, but lose heaven. Do you know how I feel when I ride by the palatial homes of some of our very rich and godless millionaires, or when I sometimes enter them? I do not have a feeling of envy at all. I feel a great pity. So rich today and utter paupers tomorrow, paupers for all eternity. The author of the Epistle to the Hebrews also teaches that there is a heaven and that it is a place. It makes no difference whether Paul is the author of this epistle to the Hebrews or someone else. The book is inspired of God, in either case. It bears the marks of its inspiration on every page. It differs radically from all the other literature outside the Bible, of that time or any other time. It has the unmistakable inspired flavor. Listen to what God says in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1, American Standard Version. Now in the things which we are saying, the chief point is this. We have such a high priest, Jesus Christ, who sat down on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. God teaches us here that there is a heaven, or heavens, that it is a place, that his own throne is there and that Jesus is there. Elsewhere in this same book, he tells us that we are going there too, if we are Christ's. He tells us that Christ has entered heaven as a forerunner, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 20. That is, he has gone there before us, and we are to follow after. It is certain, then, that there is a heaven because Jesus Christ says so, and because men who beyond an honest doubt were inspired of God, men through whom God himself spoke, say so. That settles it. As I stated last night, we know absolutely nothing about the eternal future except what God has been pleased to tell us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and through His inspired servants, the writers of the New Testament. That is sure. All else is mere guesswork and baseless speculation. What the philosophers, 
the speculative theologians or the scientists' guess about heaven or hell is of no more value than what an inmate of an insane asylum guesses about them. The philosophers and scientists are entirely out of their sphere concerning the future. A story is told of a distinguished man of science who had to cross a ferry in a rowboat. As the man at the oars pulled him across, the scientist said to him, Do you know astronomy? No, replied the rugged oarsman, I do not. Well then, said the man of science, a quarter of your life is gone. Do you know anything about geology? No. Then one half of your life is gone. Do you know anything about biology? No. Then three quarters of your life are gone. Just then the boat struck a snag and flipped. As they plunged into the water, the oarsman cried, Do you know how to swim? No. Well, then your whole life is gone. And the ferryman struck out for shore, but the great scientist drowned. He was out of his element. When mere scientists and philosophers begin speculating about the eternal future, they are out of their element, and they flounder around and drown, unless they will let someone who knows his Bible pull them ashore. What the scientist or philosopher speculates about heaven or argues about heaven is pure and simple guesswork and worthless. What God says through His Son, through the inspired writers of the Bible, is true. It is sure, then, that there is a heaven and that heaven is a place. It is a wonderful place, and God is there. Christ is there, and many of us are going there. We can all go there if we so desire. What kind of a place is heaven? Now, what sort of a place is heaven? Some think that we know nothing about it, and all is guesswork. They quote 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, authorized King James Version, to prove it. Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But they stop too soon. They should quote the next verse. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. We know nothing about heaven except what God has revealed. But God has been pleased to reveal a great deal about heaven. I think very few Christians realize how much God has told us in the Bible about heaven. I think few Bible scholars realize how much God has told us about heaven. I have studied this subject more or less for many years, but when I took it up again last Monday, I confess that I was surprised to find so much about heaven in the Bible. What God, who made heaven and who lives there, has told us about heaven in the Bible and what God has revealed to us about heaven through His Son in the Bible is not only very interesting, but also immensely cheering. It is calculated to awaken in every wise and sensible heart an intense desire to go there. But we don't have time to go into that at length now. Just this hasty summary without any attempt to cite the passages or to expound at length will suffice for now. 1. Heaven is a place of matchless, inconceivable, external, material, and visible beauty. I love beauty, and it has been my good fortune to see a large share of the most renowned beauty spots of Europe, Asia, Australasia, and America. I have sat for hours just drinking in the beauty of some of these places. But nothing I have ever seen, in Japan, 
China, India, Australia, or New Zealand, or Yosemite, the Grand Canyon of the Colorado River, the Alps, the Rockies, Loch Lomond, or at Ben Nevis, can compare for one moment to the beauty and majesty and sublimity and glory of that land beyond the shadows, the matchless city of God. 2. Heaven is a land of indescribable harmony, melody, and music. They have a choir of 100 million voices there, Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, and every voice sweeter and richer than Caruso's, and no orchestra on earth can match those harpers harping with their harps. 3. Heaven is a place of countless wealth. Every inhabitant is a multimillionaire, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 8, verse 17. 4. Heaven is a place unmarred by sin. In heaven, God's will is perfectly done by all, and where nothing that defiles mind or affections or will shall ever enter. 5. Heaven is a place where there is no trace of sickness or twinge of pain. Heaven is where death never enters, and where no tear is ever shed. 6. Heaven is a place of highest, holiest, and most ennobling companionships. 7. Scripture. Heaven is the place where God is, where His Son Jesus Christ is, and where we shall be with Christ and with God the Father, and we shall see His face. Revelation chapter 22 verse 4. Oh, to see the face of God! Moses wanted to see the face of God, but he was told that no man could see his face and live. Exodus chapter 33 verse 20. But with the strength of our resurrection bodies and perfectly redeemed spirits, we can gaze and gaze and gaze upon that wonderful face of God and live. I wonder if when God took Moses up onto Mount Nebo to die, he didn't let Moses have his prayer answered at last and see his face and then die, die a death of immeasurable ecstasy. But in that world, we shall see his face and live and be satisfied. Oh, how profoundly significant are the words of the psalmist in Psalm 17, verse 15, American Standard Version. I shall be satisfied when I awake with beholding thy form. Anyone who wishes can spend eternity in heaven. Now, just a few words on the last part of our subject. Anyone who wishes can spend eternity in heaven. Why do I say that? Because our Lord Jesus says so. He says so in our first text. He says, Whither I go, ye know the way. And then Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How know we the way? Then Jesus replied, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Here he says that he himself is the way to heaven, and anyone who takes him takes the way to heaven. If you take him and start to heaven, you are bound to get there. He says also in John chapter 10 verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. If any man, mind you, no exceptions. The poorest are as welcome as the richest. The most ignorant are as welcome as the wisest. The vilest sinner is as welcome as the finest saint. If any man, come along, friends. 
Peter also tells us the same thing in our last text. Scripture Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy begat us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, unto an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who by the power of God are guarded through faith unto a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5 through That is all. Who by the power of God are guarded through faith. It is not a question of our puny strength, but of His almighty strength, given to all who believe on His Son. Believe in Jesus Christ, that is all. All God's children are certainly going to spend eternity in the Father's house. And John chapter 1 verse 12, American Standard Version tells us how to become children of God. Scripture, But as many as received Him, to them gave He the right to become children of God, even to them that believe on His name. Just accept Jesus, that is all. Accept Him as your personal Savior, the one whom God Himself tells us bore all your sins in His own body on the cross. Trust God to forgive all your sins, because the Lord Jesus died in your place. Accept Him as your risen Savior who now lives in heaven and has all power in heaven and on earth. Therefore, He has power to keep you every day and hour. Just trust Him to do it. Accept Him as your Lord and Master, to whom you surrender the entire control of your thoughts and life. Confess Him as your Lord before the world, and you will spend eternity in heaven. Refuse to accept Him, or neglect to do so, and you will spend eternity in hell. There is a heaven, and whosoever wishes can spend eternity there. Do you wish to do that? It is up to each one of you tonight to say for yourself whether you will spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. Which do you choose? Oh, unless you are a poor, blinded fool, you will choose to spend eternity in heaven. Then accept the Lord Jesus Christ right now. You may say, I do not want to do it right now, but I will do it at some future time. Take no chances. Hell is too awful to take any chances of going there, and heaven is too glorious to take any chance of missing it. There is only one thing for any man or woman to do who has the least spark of wisdom left, but has not already accepted Jesus Christ. Accept Jesus Christ and confess Him tonight.